Welcome to the inaugural episode of the Car Bar Podcast with your hosts, me, Nick Worthman, and with me, Alex Yanke. Alex, how's it going today? Uh, not too bad, not too bad at all. I'm really excited to get this podcast underway. You know, we've kind of been talking about it for a while. So this podcast is going to be about two people in a car. Sometimes we'll have guests, typically outside of a local bar or drinking establishment, and having a few drinks before we go in and enjoy ourselves further. Tonight's podcast is brought to you at the Joey B's parking lot here in South County, St. Louis. And since it is the day after Father's Day, we are drinking Natty Daddies. Are they very appropriate? You know, we haven't had the Natty Daddies in quite some time. It's the, uh, it's the only drink that the closer you get to the bottom, the worse it is. So this podcast is going to be pretty loose, pretty easygoing. Uh, we'll hit some harder topics later on, but really it's just sort of a recap of our lives and the week and what's going on in the world, and hopefully we'll get some listeners who can message us and tell us how shitty it is and how we don't talk about anything useful or why are you, why do we care what you think and things like that. And we really, we welcome the criticism. Uh, we, you know, give us a shot. You know, you don't like it, you know, that's fine. We don't expect, uh, we don't expect much on that front, but uh, we're really excited to get this off the ground, you know. So Father's Day was yesterday. Uh, were you doing anything special? Your dad, your dad lives in town, so that's not too uh, too hard to get done. Yeah, no, it was uh, it was a lot of fun. Actually, we uh, we started uh, at my aunt's for breakfast. My aunt was really adamant on getting together for for some sort of meal in the day, so we got breakfast in the morning, um, and then we went to Six Flags. We got him for Christmas. My sister and I got him Six Flags season pass. He loves it there, you know. So we went there. Had a really good time, really enjoyed it. Um, then we had uh, dinner at Cracker Barrel, and then we capped the night off. I had an extra ticket to Money in the Bank. Money in the Bank, WWE. Nice. Yes. Um, and so it was. Uh, it was really exciting. Uh, he had a really good time. You know, he uh, he drugged me over to Neil Diamond a few months ago, so I I had to get the the payback by bringing him there. So uh, no, he had a really good time. We capped it off with the Waffle House. Can't beat that. So I was largely fatherless for Father's Day. Oh, no. My father, I texted him on Friday because I was going to pick up some furniture. I needed to borrow his truck. And he said, that's fine because I'm in Nashville all weekend. I was like, Nashville? And he's like, yeah, we are, we're going to look at a new dog, a new puppy. Oh, boy. And he's like, I'll be back Sunday night. And this kind of this kind of came out of nowhere. My, my mom had been talking about getting the dog for a while, but... Sure enough, they drove down to Nashville, spent the night, came back. So I didn't have really any obligations on Father Day, Father's Day until the end when I showed up and uh, there was a new dog. What else is going on with you, man? Um, you know, uh, I, I started something new this week. You know me. I always, uh, I always have something different I'm doing uh, right in, the, in the health kick. This week I started drinking a gallon of water a day. That's a lot of piss, man. Uh, let me tell you, the that first is... day was kind of rough. A gallon of water? It was it was kind of rough. So the first day, I was like, you know what? Because I've read about this before, and I read the health benefits. And really, you know what it is, is like, uh, I'm working a little bit longer hours here and there. So I was like, yeah. I hear it's supposed to, and I'm trying to get off energy drinks. You know, I'm addicted to those. So I was like, you know, I'm going to start drinking, you know, more water. And I was, I was reading this up, they're like, if you drink a gallon of water a day, you know, you'll feel the benefits, you know, almost... In, immediately like after a week you'll feel like more energized and so the first day was rough i had to force that gallon of water down yeah it, it you was probably tough. half drowned yourself 
Yeah, it was tough. Um, now, are you one? Of, you're one of these guys now carrying around these milk jugs of water. Is that is that you? Only at work. I try okay. to get mostly, almost of it done at work. So when I'm out in public, you right? Because I see these people doing that, and they. I mean, it makes sense because it's heavy. Like you know, you can get a workout just sort of drinking water. No, I, I try. I try to avoid that in the sense that at work I'll I'll drink as much as I can. Like I said, I'll have like maybe a quarter of a gallon left. And from there, you know, I just need a few more drinks of water throughout the night. And that's when I go to the gym, I'll have quite a bit of water. And so the first day was rough. The second day I was able to get the water down. So now the problem is not getting the water down. The problem is when I get about halfway into the gallon, it's every 20 minutes I need to take a piss. That's a lot of, that's a lot of pissing. What about at night when you're sleeping? Do you get up a lot? You know what? That has started two nights ago. Yeah. Twice I woke up and, and... See, that's the deal breaker for me. I, I'm fine drinking water during the day if I got to go take a take a leak at work. Like, just that's just, you know, 45 seconds less I have to be on the floor. But if I'm getting up and, like, I literally can't hold it till morning... Like, there have been times, like, I was like, I, I'm about to fucking wet this bed like a five-year-old, but I'll stay in there. So this being our first show, it's obvious that we're a little stilted in our conversation. I think we're a little nervous about how it's going to turn out. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things, you know, we're kind of aware of being recorded. So, um, yeah, I think after a few weeks, it'll get a little more fluent. Let's let's send it over to the weather. Weather is warm, but not bad for St. Louis. No, pretty clear. You know, not a lot of clouds. And that's weather. Uh, sports. <laughs> Sending it to sports. We got Mayweather McGregor. McGregor. Versus Mayweather, looking for what people think will be his signature knockout. I guess they're not counting all his ex-wives, but um, <laughs> what do you think? What do you think about this upcoming fight? Apparently, it's actually happening. Bigger? Do you think this will be a bigger draw or smaller than Mayweather-Pacquiao? Um, you know what? I think bigger. And the only reason I say that, the only reason I say that, is you're getting you're getting a wide range of of mm-hmm. fans here. Mm-hmm. Not taking anything away from Pacquiao Mayweather, uh, me not being a huge boxing buff, I was pumped to see that match. Sure. But here, I follow UFC very uh, very casually, you know, so I, I know McGregor well. I think this will be a lot of fun. I think it's going to be one of those things that, you, I, I know I've, I've compared to this before, but... I'm thinking Thunderlips versus Rocky is exactly what I'm thinking about. And that's ultimately what it's going to be. It's going to be great leading up to the fight. They're going to be great squaring off with the hands up at the press conference. You can bet McGregor is going to spit in his face or something. It's all that's going to be fantastic. When the actual boxing starts, I think it's going to be dull, dull, dull. The only chance McGregor has is if Mayweather contracts a serious bird flu or something in the meantime. He's younger, he's viler, I know he can punch, it's just a different game, and it's one that Mayweather has never lost at. So all those things included, you know, they're going to make a lot of money. That's what this is about. They're going to make a ton of cash, it's going to be a lot of fun, the personalities are going to be great, it's going to be great to see the people ringside and all that, but in the end, it's not going to last more than five rounds. So that's sports. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Here's a word from our sponsors, we'll be right back. So we don't have any sponsors yet, so we're back. Um, yeah, so seeing how it's Father's Day, we need to discuss America's father, or rather, former father, ex-father. You know, this is always a topic that's near and dear to us. So, um, Bill Cosby, William William Cosby, Dr. 
William Cosby. Uh, I'm sure it's no news to anyone what's going on right now with the constant news cycle. This was meant to be a sort of post-Father's Day obituary for Bill Cosby. We are big fans, or we were, rather. We were in this very parking lot several times just listening to his stand-up in the, in the last, you know... We, when we've been friends for, you know, 12, 13 years, we've been in this very parking lot listening to Bill Cosby in nauseam, you know, I mean... So this is a subject very near and dear to us. Would you say there are 10 people in the world more well-known than Bill Cosby? How many, like, how famous is Bill Cosby? I mean, I've, I feel like he's pretty famous. Like, I feel like people know who he is, mainly on age alone, you know. I mean, he's he's an old guy. He's been around a while. He's And in, in, in comedy alone, I mean, he's up there. In comedy alone, he's, you know, definitely most well-known. So everyone knows, I'm sure, the story at this point. He was accused by all of these women of sexually molesting them and raping them in some cases. And at first... I'll admit, I did not want to believe it. And I didn't believe it at first. I thought it was sort of a power play by some of these women to, you know, gain notoriety. I admit to being one of those people. And over time, when I looked at the, not only the number of cases, but just how every single statement had a familiar ring to it and the same kind of story of how it went down, it really just, it became impossible to to believe his side of it. But first, I wanted to kind of talk about how we got into Bill Cosby in the first place, because there's lots of people who can talk about the case and his his career and all of this much better than we can. But since this is sort of our own podcast, I want to kind of discuss our personal interaction with the comedy and you know persona of Bill Cosby. So, what 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 was your first experience with with Bill? Uh, my first experience is you know going with the Father's Day theme. My dad and I would watch the VHS of Bill Cosby himself. We watched that all the time. We, mm-hmm. I mean, any, any, I would go to my dad's, my, my parents are divorced. I would go to my dad's every other weekend, and we would watch that, you know, probably, you know, every three times I went there. And I loved it. And, and you know why? Like, my dad has never cursed in front of me in my life. My dad um, doesn't drink in front of me. I, 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 to my, to this day, I don't even know that my dad drinks. You know, but my dad got me into Bill Cosby. Him and I have a very strong tie to Will Smith because it's like the very clean humor. I do not curse in front of my dad, but I don't curse in front of my dad. My dad has never cursed in front of me. It is a very clean, you know, relationship, and it's it's one of those things. He he's really raised me to be who I am. Like, very, my mom and dad sure. have raised me to be a very good guy. And part of those, somebody I've always said is a very, like, big father figure almost, is Bill Cosby. Yeah, he was really like a third parent in the household. Just his sort of influence and through his comedy, his stories that he told. Uh, I, you know, it's funny, I was just, and you mentioned Bill Cosby himself, I was in the dentist just the other day, and I couldn't help but think of his dentist skit, and it still comes to me, like, the little moments that he said in his, in his acts, uh, things like that, they're all very relevant, because they're timeless, it's not, very little of his comedy was pop culture, it was all stories that you could relate to, even though he grew up in a totally different environment than us, he grew up in the projects of Philadelphia, very poor kid, black family, totally different, but his stories were so universal 
because they talked about, you know, parents and siblings and children and friends in such a way that you could relate to. Personally, for me, I first heard Bill Cosby. I was very young, and we had a fireplace. And once a winter or so, we would have a family kind of get-together around the fire. My dad would clean out the, the little flume or whatever. It would, he would sort of mutter and curse under his breath while he did it. Get a fire going, and we'd all sit around and we'd kind of chat. And during one of these, um, you know, fireside chats, he brought out a record of Bill Cosby's wonderful uh, wonderfulness and started playing the chicken heart from it. And it's sort of this classic, you know, story of a kid who's left alone by his parents while they go out, and he puts on this scary radio station and et cetera, et cetera. And I just remember cracking up, and it was really my first experience with stand-up comedy. And it so changed my life, and to the extent that the following Christmas, all I I remember asking for that Christmas was Bill Cosby CDs. And I would listen to them as I went to sleep at night. I would actually put them on on CD player, and I'd pop them in, and I would just kind of listen to them, and they would end, and then I'd kind of fall asleep, you know, midway through. I would pass off Cosby stories as my own sometimes to kids <laughs> on the... I'd be in, like, fifth Definitely. grade. I'd be, like, in fourth and fifth grade telling Cosby stories, acting like they actually happened to me. And they were, like, kind of, like, deep-cut Cosby, too, like, lesser-known stories. Right, yeah. Um, that not many people would, like, necessarily know. This is before YouTube and the Internet, so you couldn't really, like look that shit up and then be like, oh, you stole that from so-and-so. Because I, I definitely got away with it. Uh, and he was such an influence on how I tell a story anyway, just in how I structure it and if I'm telling kind of a humorous story, you know, with the beginning, middle, and punchline. And it really introduced me into stand-up comedy as a whole. Well, and, and it, you hit it on the head right there. It's like, it kind of helped me tell a story. You know, because like you said... He told stories that were very relatable, very, this could happen to me, or this did happen to me. Yeah. You know, so you, you hit it around the head. It's like, he, he's taught me more than just comedy. He told me, he taught me more than just, wow, this is funny. He taught me a lot of values, which is ironic going into these issues. He taught me a lot of values. He taught me how to be a good person. So yeah, let's, let's talk about that a little bit, because I think it's important to, discuss Cosby's life as a whole and try to make... I don't think we can ever really make sense of this um, as to the why, other than just he wasn't who we thought we, he was or he, who he presented himself to be. And it's just so funny. If he hadn't been so sanctimonious all these years... It, it seems sanctimonious now, but like at, at the time, I totally agreed with him. His big thing was it's about how you present yourself. And that was always his thing. Like You have to present yourself in such a way that people will respect you. But what I guess I didn't realize is there's a difference between how you are perceived to the public and who you actually are. And I guess that is the biggest sort of dichotomy here. If there is a split in Bill Cosby, it's that his public perception was the total antithesis of the kind of person he actually is. And it's a shame because he did so much for so many people of all races. His way of bringing people together and showing, you know, white communities, you know, not all black people are, you know, from the hood and talk like this and and are going to do this or that. He portrayed on the Cosby show, they were a white collar family and people bought it. It was the most successful sitcom of the 80s. He was the first black man to win a Emmy Award for primetime television on I Spy that had never been done before. He was the first black man, I think, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure about this, but I'm pretty sure he was the first person 
first first black man to be filmed on screen with a white woman when they were the only two people in a frame. Now that kind of blows our mind today, but like back then that was a big deal in the 60s. I mean, he was putting out I Spy and winning Emmys at a time when Martin Luther King and Malcolm X and people like that were being shot and beaten on the street. So I don't think that his impact can be overlooked. That being said, it just all comes crumbling down when when you see and hear what happened. Let's let's talk about kind of like the build up to us seeing him live. Sure. Yeah. We we met in high school. Alex and I, and, you know, we've been friends since. It was, you know, we've just sort of hung out fairly consistently ever since then. And we learned at some point that we were both really into Bill Cosby. And we never, neither of us had ever seen him live. We'd been big fans for years and years. And he came to St. Louis, the Lumiere Casino, in August, September, you know, sometime yeah. sometime around then, a few years ago. I remember, you know, I we'd always kind of romanticized about seeing him live. Right. I remember I saw those tickets, and this was probably October, November. I saw that he was coming out. Mm-hmm. Gosh, it was probably earlier now. It was probably September. I saw that he was coming out, and... Bam, I snatched up those tickets. Yeah. That's what I got uh, Nick for Christmas that year. Gosh, oh, it was man. probably two or three years ago. Damn. And uh, I, no, it was for his birthday. And I yeah, was it's for my so birthday because we That's saw him in like September. Yeah, Right. Yeah. So I was so pumped. I saw this. I was like, oh my God, that's it. We're doing this. We got really good seats. Well, it breaks my heart because, like, I remember telling my dad at some point, like, man, like, I just, if I could see Bill Cosby, that'd be the great. Like, you know, you always, you know, talk about people you wish you could see live. And a lot of them are musicians. But the problem about, like, the great classic musicians is a lot of them are old and kind of washed up. Right. And when you see them, you're kind of disappointed. You know, You're talking exactly. up more to yourself, but... I love Bob Dylan, but I just... I wouldn't pay that much to see him now. Like, it's just not... I want to see Bob Dylan in 1960s. But with comedy, to some extent, they may not be... It may not be on par with their best stuff, but you can still present a very funny show. And he did. We laughed quite a bit. And we've been to comedians... Sorry, Chris Tucker. We've been to comedians that we were really excited to see, and we were sorely disappointed. Not the case of Bill Cosby. He was funny. I really enjoyed it. I had heard that he had kind of lost it, that he was kind of very all over the place. You know, he he has like this lazy eye thing now going on, and you'd see him on television, and he's just sort of acting his goofy self. And I'd see him on Fallon, and he looked senile. But he was very lucid, very aware, all this stuff. It was a good show. I mean, we, we, we left, we enjoyed it, we cracked up, and we were like, man, that was awesome. And then, as we said, a couple months later, the Hannibal, yeah, the Hannibal Burris thing is still kind of funny because that's kind of what I think he'll be known as. I got nothing against Hannibal Burris. He's a, he's a funny guy. I like We've seen comedy. him live. We actually have. We did see him at a comedy fest live. But I just feel like forever now, this is how he'll be known, is outing Bill Cosby. And here's the thing, and, and I, I'm guilty, guilty as charged. Uh, when it first came out, when Hannibal had those comments, I all right. When we went, we went to a oddball comedy fest. Was yeah, that, that was the oddball in in Chicago? Probably a year before we saw Bill, Hannibal was there, and he was funny. He was actually probably one of the more funny uh, comedians there, mm-hmm. and I really enjoyed him. When he came out with the comments, I immediately wrote him off. I was like, I yeah. hate this guy. Like, yeah. this is bullshit. And every story that was coming in thereafter, I was like, okay, these girls are obviously capitalizing on an opportunity to make money, make fame, make notoriety. But as more information comes out, uh, it, it's, it's hard to defend. 
you know, it's like I kind of at I I kind of understand to some extent now with the when you hear about these allegations with say like just for instance the Catholic Church, and you hear about the controversy with priests and these you know allegations of abuse towards children and people denying it and defending it. It took me at least a couple months to really kind of come around and look. And once you look at the evidence, it is sort of just like. All right, like you're, I cannot defend this as much as I idolized this person growing up, and as much as he meant to me and who I am as a person. I, you know, there's there's two sides to every coin, and it's a real travesty, but it's the truth. It's it's very yeah, it's very damning evidence, and it's it's very sad. And honestly, and it sounds weird, you know. Obviously, Nick and I were very lucky growing up. We had a very modest upbringing. Um, our families were actually very wholesome, and we, we were very lucky. And we were very lucky to have people like Will Smith, Bill Cosby, you know, you know, people like that in our adolescence to kind of look up to. But it, it kind of gives you this, ever since this happened, ever since I started coming around to this idea that this is true, it, it's hard to trust, you know, you know, father figures that you once had, you yeah. know? I, I put it on par with, like, in the play Death of a Salesman when the son Biff walks in and sees his father with another woman, you know, in a hotel room. That kind of, like, shocking comeuppance where you're just, like, your whole illusion is shattered. Well, I mean, what do you think? Do you have any thoughts on, like, what, 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 what can come out of this that we can grow um, from, if anything? You know, you, you always got to understand that. You never truly know somebody, yeah. you know? Especially you really when don't. you don't know them. That's the other thing. Like, we and that's the thing. I feel like I know Nick, you yeah. know? But Bill Cosby, it's like, I know... Dr. The, Huxtable, you know? Yeah. You, yeah. I, I know... Uh, I know Jack's teacher from the movie right. Jack, you know? Exactly, yeah. That's what I know. Um, <laughs> so that's what I know. And and going forward, and, and I'll reference other singles like this in future podcasts, but like... But I will always remember the values he's taught me, but I understand what we are going forward. Yeah. And that's and that's what's that's a very adult way I think of looking at it. But it did kind of shatter my illusions. And if ever there was a definitive end to my childhood or whatever you want to call it, it was this scandal. And see it seeing it unfold is just a real sad, sad thing. But it's it's very upsetting, um, and it's 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 never gonna settle right with us. No. I mean, we we bring it up quite a bit, you know. No, I know, an and, like, and we do, and every time we do, we both are just sort of like, ah, shit. Like, you know, it really is kind of a stopper. Like, we'll make even just you know cracks and jokes about Bill Cosby now and the terrible things he's done, oh. and it is sort of one of those things. It's kind of those just like, man, like, what do you what do you even say about it? I'm so selfish about it in my own way. I'm just like, why couldn't this come out 20 years ago? You right. know what I mean? Like, yeah. why did I have to grow up idolizing this person who turned well, out to be something of a monster? And it's just, it's just, there's so many. It's like, I could put up with him being an unfaithful husband, but just the, just the mentality of someone in a position power who not only, like, takes advantage of women, but drugs them to the point where they are incapacitated and does this, it's just really horrible like and it's and he's touched so many lives. It's not just us. He's touched a lot of lives in that sense. Uh, my uncle had passed away about two years ago, and I, I I remember having a conversation with my cousin, and he was like, you know, I'm really. This was this was probably three or four years ago. He's like, whenever this first came out, he was like, yeah, I'm really bummed that this happened because uh, my uncle had ALS and you know he wasn't looking good. Right. 
He said, whenever I was planning out my eulogy for for dad, he's like, I was going to reference Bill Cosby because (laughs) he was the perfect father, you know, and, and my uncle was the perfect father. My, my uncle Aniba was the perfect family man. And that's who we compared him to Bill Cosby from the Bill Cosby show. And it's really sad because now this came out, like when this first came out, my cousin was like, I can no longer use that material. So it's, and just, and just, for pe- so people are aware and ready, like, don't expect him to get justice in the traditional sense. Um, looking at some rape statistics and just sort of sexual assault allegations in general, I looked on Rain.com earlier, and they had a sort of uh, graphic of these things happening and the chances of people going to jail. And even if they're, even like if you don't take them at face value and their estimates, out of every thousand rapes, only 330 uh, or so are reported. Wow. Wow. Of those 330, only half of those are brought to trial or even like, you know, processed as actual crimes where someone is arrested. And of those, an average of six to 10 are convicted. Wow. And that's someone not in Bill Cosby's status and not with a very expensive lawyer and not, you know, necessarily 10, 15 years after the fact. So, and not the fact that he's his age that he is, you know. Right. And so it's just like don't expect this to end in a sort of, you know, traditional movie type way where, you know, oh, he gets his come up. And I was kind of hoping it would just so that this could all just be put to rest and we could hopefully try and move on. But, you know, what can we what can we say? Hopefully, uh, hopefully. Will Smith isn't a child murderer or something at night. Right. I don't know. In I, conclusion, yeah. uh, I'm definitely going to, I'm definitely going to understand that these people that are I don't know, that right. I look up to, are you know who they are. They I'm watching a movie screen version of them. I'm watching a media screen version of them. However, in in conclusion of this whole thing, don't agree with what he did. Yeah. Um, I will never respect the guy anymore. No. But I will always remember the values I was taught. Well, because they're they're universal, what he was speaking of. It wasn't necessarily, he didn't come up with these morals himself. He just presented them kind of in a funny way, and he propagated them through his comedy. My final thought on it is I I don't want kids to not have heroes or idols. And that's really what it's been for me. It's been one of those things where it's just you don't want to. Looking back, it's just like, man, just don't ever look up to anyone. You know what I mean? Like, it's sad. And it should Uh, be. And I I don't want to I don't want to push that on people. I think people should be looked up to that are uh, admirable. Everyone has a dark side. It's just a shame that his dark side was as black as it was so anyway yay this is a this was a pretty good first podcast i think we got a little heavy here with the uh a little bit it was a little hard hitting but i think this i think we needed this i think it was therapeutic and we'll put this to rest for the time being we will we'll mention one way or another down the line it won't be a few months until he's tried again but if there's an update we'll we'll give a brief call back but well nick i uh i don't know about you but i really need to take a piss yeah, well, it's probably all that water you've been drinking, and uh, the natty daddy didn't help you. Right, yeah. So. so, like we said, thank you for you know tuning in. Absolutely. Uh, hopefully, hopefully we drag you in for another uh, episode next week. We will catch you in the car bar next time. <laughs> <laughs>